Hello and welcome to Inspired Mind Podcast. As you connect with our content, we hope that you'll be inspired to grow and develop a better you. Please be encouraged to share this with others. Happy growing. One of the good news of Christmas is the fact that Jesus came to give us peace. And let me tell you something, it's, it has to do with our identity as Christians as well. Um, you have to get to a point in your faith with God where you have an, in, what I call, I call it insane peace. You know, the kind of peace that is insane. The Bible scripturally referred to it as, as peace that surpasses understanding. You know, the kind of peace that has nothing to do with your situation. You just have peace in the Lord. That's what Christmas is about. I'm just reminding somebody here today that this is the season for you to sit down and reflect. The peace of Jesus is given to those whom he favors. In other words, those that are connected to the family. And everybody here, I believe in my heart that you are children of the Most High God. That means you are a child of peace. There is a peace in your heart that Jesus wants you to begin to feel and to experience. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, peace is not really a thing, like we say. Um, and peace, peace is not an imagination. Peace is a spirit. It's the spirit that Jesus puts in you to connect to him. You know, one, one of the things that the Bible never promised is that the Bible never promised that you're not going to have trials. As a matter of fact, it, it, on several occasions, it says when you go through trials, the Bible is very certain about the fact that you're going to have issues. You're going to, uh, hello, that's breaking news. You love Jesus, that's fine. But you're going to have challenges in life. You see, that is how God is. God makes the rain to fall on both the, both the good and the bad. It makes the sun to shine on both good and bad. There is no, there's no body when, when God, when it has to do with the blessings of God, it does not exclude you. And same when it comes to the challenges of life, you are not excluded. But one thing that Jesus promised is that when you go through this trial, in the midst of it all, I'm promising you peace. Now, now I, love, I love the fantastic job that um, Leon's did last week. How many of you think he did fantastic with the sermon on joy? We have, we have moving souls in the house. You know, God is empowering people. I'm, I'm, I'm super thrilled about Ignite. I want to get to a point, like I say all the time, that I would just sit down and just take notes as these young people just pour into my life. Because these are gifts of God. And you know, there's something he said, I want to remind you. He said, Jesus is the source of joy, but he's not responsible for your joy. He's the source of joy, but he's not responsible for your joy. So the fact that you have Jesus, joy, because that's another name for Jesus, is, is the, is the, is the, Jesus is the source of joy. The fact that you have it does not guarantee you joy. It's just like you have, he used the illustration of a well. Um, those of you born in America might not know what a well is. A well is one 
kind of old where you have water. Or you have water, okay. And then you go take water out of it. And because when you turn on the tap, water won't come out. All right, you got to go there. So, so that's what it is. So, so now, the well is the source of water. Is the, just like Jesus is the source of joy. The well is the source of water. But if you stay here and you are thirsty and you are looking at the well, is water going to get into your mouth? What do you do to get water? You go there. That's why it's your responsibility to go for joy. You go for Jesus. I'm testy, Lord. I'm testy. And Jesus said it himself that if you're testy, come. I'm testy. And I go to the well and I take water and I'll be fine. So Jesus is just there waiting. A lot of us, Jesus has been ham opened and just waiting to, to welcome you home, to hug you. You've been coming to church for so many years and you just feel I don't have joy. To, did you go to the source of joy? Did you say Jesus? Did you, just imagine if you wake up every day and just say Jesus. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not a too many word prayer person. I don't know what, how to say, how to put that. I don't say too many things when I pray in the morning. And my prayer, you know, predominantly praying for people. That's what I, I don't know, maybe I feel I don't have problem or I was telling somebody, I said, until I get to heaven, I won't know how much the enemy tried to kill me. I think when I get to heaven, God is just going to show me. Do you know how you almost died? I would say, God, I didn't even know. Because I, wasn't, I, didn't pay, I don't pay attention. That's why I'm not the enemy killing type. It's one of the things I say, Lord, just, Father, fill me with your joy today. It's a beautiful day. You say your, your, your mercies are new every morning. Just give me access to this mercy. And I just pray for my friends, my team. Everyone in my life, just thank you for the gift that you have given me. Let me glorify you with it. My prayer is so boring. That's how, that's how I pray. And I never fail to ask for joy. I never fail to ask for peace. Father, there might be storm today. I'm not disputing the fact that somebody might disappoint me today. I'm not disputing the fact that something I'm trusting you for might not come through today. That doesn't change you. That doesn't change you as a good girl. You are still good. But one thing I ask of you, Lord, in all my circumstances, just guarantee me your peace. Simple prayers. That's how I pray. And so you have to learn to go to the source of peace. Jesus is, is, the, is the prince of peace. But he's not going to force his peace on you. When you have him, and you are truly connected in him, you will find peace. Praise the Lord. Is somebody feeling this? Is somebody getting on with me? Praise the Lord. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge his brokenness and acknowledge their brokenness and accept his hope. You know, in, in, in the scripture that we read, it talked about the favor of God on those that, you know, that rest on him and those who trust him. We have to identify our brokenness. Let, let, first of all, let us understand that we are broken. Somebody says to me, how will a good God make people go to hell? You know, that's one of the most popular faith questions. Why would a good God? I said, no, 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 no. I don't know the God you're talking about, though. 
not the God that I serve. Our own God does not want anybody to go to hell. No, not at all. Wherever you heard that from is a wrong story. Our God is so not determined, is so determined for you not to go to hell that he had to send his own son. In fact, as a matter of fact, God came in the form of man to prevent you from going to hell. But you know how easily you go to hell if you must go to hell? It's not, it's not, it's not the portion of any of you here. You got to push Jesus out of your way. Jesus is blocking you like back then when we were in college when two people are fighting, you stay, you stay when you're trying to separate them. How many of you ever did that and you didn't get punched in your face? You try to separate them, you stay in front of the more aggressive one and you say, take it easy, take it easy. Jesus is standing like this and the devil is on the other side calling you, come on, come on, come on. And Jesus is just standing and saying, no, 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 you can't go, you can't go. You're going with me to God. But some of you will still push him out of the way. Jesus, let me go, let me go. That's where the fun is. That's where the culture is. That's what gets people to hell, not Jesus. Jesus sends nobody. God sends nobody to hell. I'm so excited about Christmas. I don't know about you. We serve a God of peace. Praise the Lord. Number 6, verse 24 to 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I'm going to say that like a prayer, and I just want I'm a better response than I'm getting now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you what? Peace. Praise the Lord. I like to read um, John 14 verse 27. It says, peace I live with you. Now this is Jesus. He said, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. That's the word of the Lord. And why, why, has anybody wondered why God is so particular and in so many scriptures he kept on assuring you that I have peace. Like I told you, there's no assurance that you're not going to go through trial. But there's an assurance that you will have peace. That's the only thing I hold on to. That's what you should hold on to. So when the trial comes, you are just smiling. Trial. Oh, I'm prepared. And you go through it graciously. It's the kind of peace that you enjoy when you just got fired from your job and your, your friends and your colleagues are going crazy and just thinking that this is not fair, God is not fair, life is not fair, I'm not going to church anymore. And you just have peace. And say, well, after all, Jesus got me that job. Jesus is capable to get me a better job. Probably Jesus took me out of that job because there is something better that this is blocking me from seeing. Looking at things from the positive side. Peace is what you have when that diagnosis just came to you and the doctor said, this is it. And you said, oh, Jesus, you are a healer. You can cure me of my disease. You can, you can, you can give me life when the doctor has written me off. That peace is what you enjoy 
When everybody says the economy is crumbling in America, people can't make it anymore. And you are saying that if there are three people that will be successful in this life, I'm one of them and two others. I used to have, I don't have a better name for it, I'll call it superiority complex. It's, that's a good English, but it might not be good English, it's going to be good preaching if you let me finish. So I used to have this kind of superiority complex when I nearly started my business back in Africa. I, I started this company called Digital Hedge in Lagos. And we were, some of, were one of the first early people back then in Lagos that started building websites and branding. Um, I used to also have a big cyber cafe because internet was luxury back then. And so people had to come to my office to use internet. One of the things that my employees used to notice about me, and it's really, it, they got used to it because I had to explain to them. Every time we go for a presentation, um, because we'll go to, we'll go to big, these big companies um, and present to them, and we want to take over their website, we want to do their technology, we want to take care of it. And every time I do my presentation and I, and I get my team, and we're, drive, we're going into the car, I tell my team, I say we're going to get that job. If we don't get that job, that's because God does not want us to help them. They are not good enough. Not that we're not good enough. So they're like, man, which kind of, this, this, this old guy is just, I say, okay. And most of the time we get the jobs. And when we don't get the job, maybe they, maybe we, we, we have a contact person in most of these companies. We call the contact person, how far? We've not heard from your company. And they say, oh, sorry, the company gave the job to another person. My team, when they want to lose their peace and like, oh my God, with all our presentation, all what we did. Say, guys, it's the company's loss, not us. That digital age is not helping them. They are finished. <laughs> because... Every company should pr be proud that Digital Edge is, is their brand and internet consultant. Superiority complex. I, I had so much peace about anything because I believe that. You, I, there was one time I gave them a scenario. I said, I said, do you know that some of those guys, are other guys that came to do presentation, they, they are not church members. They are not tight. They don't pay tight. They don't contribute to church. I said, the money will make here. Jesus is part of the money. So Jesus will want to secure his money. Wow. Everything that I do, I did them based on my understanding of how kingdom works. That's what you need to have as believers. When you apply for that admission and you hear that you hear that everybody is getting response from the school, or you apply for that job and everybody is getting letter of offer and you didn't get letter of offer. You should be able to have that much peace in your heart. Ah, so the company didn't call me. Is they are lost. If only they know what I'm coming to that company to do for them. That is the peace of God. Because you just know that Jesus has got your back. Because you just believe in your heart that you didn't get that job does not mean that you are not good enough. It just means that they are not good enough to have you as an employee. Talking about a change in perspective and how you think. So this is, sometimes you need to, 
you know, you need to get more conscious about who you are in Christ, for goodness sake. A lot of time as Christians, we suffer the problem of identity. There is no devil in hell that can go tell any of my kids that that's not your father. You say, shh, you have no idea. There's no daddy like this. Because my children are so conscious of who they are. And they're so conscious of what they can get from their father. I've never seen any of them. I told you guys before. I've never seen any of my kids sitting down, just thinking. And, and I go to them, what's, told, what's up? Are you okay? What's going on with you? I'm just thinking of how, how the bill will be paid. They don't even think. Because they know the bill will be paid. That's much confidence that they have in their father, earthly father that can fail. Because even when I'm broke, I don't tell them. <laughs> so they have no idea. We're talking about a father who can never fail, who cannot be exhausted. We can't even exhaust him. Do you know, the, imagine a father that over 6 billion people in the world can depend on. And he can still meet our needs. That's the God that we serve, guys. But, hey, you can, you can be the son of a king and still live like an orphan. That's why pe- some of my pastor friends will call me and I've caused two of responsibility because I always tell people, God said it does not settle it. I don't know where that came from. God can say it, but if you don't believe him, obey him, and take responsibility to do what he said, it's not settled. If Jesus says, pick your mat and walk, and you are looking at him, do you really mean it? Can I really pick this mat and walk? You will remain lame. If he says, go to the river, go wash your face, do this, do that, do this, and, and dip yourself in the, in the river for a certain number of times, and you say, Jesus, really? I've been seeing that river for a long time. It won't happen. So the secret of a believer is your ability to connect with his intent and to work in partnership with God to make the manifestation of his purpose for your life. God said it, you settle it. So he has called you, he has called you into a relationship of responsibility. He said we should go into the world and speak the word, evangelize and raise disciples for him. It's a responsibility. If you want peace, it's your responsibility to connect to the Prince of Peace, guys. This is what I'm saying. This is the big idea of today's teaching. We're about to enter the new year, 2020. I tell you what, people have 20 bucket lists that like they had last year. Some people actually carry it over. Because they had 20 this year, maybe they could identify like two that was fulfilled. Not because Jesus is not faithful. Not because God is not faithful. The question you should ask as you evaluate your list of 2019 and what Jesus did and what he didn't do. As you evaluate that list, what you need to do is check how responsible you were. I always tell people with all joy in my heart that 
where I am today is a function of how far I was able to work with God. Only God knows I could have been a better person. Maybe I just didn't pay attention. Maybe this is just not me. Maybe, maybe God had so much bigger stuffs and better stuffs for me, but I wasn't paying attention. He's a faithful God. But how we engage with him and how we engage in his promises determines how our life turns out. So this is some of the things that we need to begin to come to terms with in this season of Christmas. Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the source of peace. He's not responsible for your peace. If you want peace, you come to Jesus. He's there. He said, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. He said, if you open it, I will come. If you keep the door shut, I'm not going to break it. Because only thieves do that. Praise the Lord. I was talking to you about the reason why we need peace. Number one is that Jesus knew his followers were about to experience a crushing blow. There was going to be a lot that would be happening in their lives, like I've explained to you. So irrespective of your circumstances, you need to come to terms with the presence of his peace for you. Amen. Ephesians, Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Amen. Let me quickly, um, because of the for, the for the short time that I have, let me quickly go through what threatens our peace. One of the things that um, um, makes us keeps us in the in the situation of pressure. And let me let me tell you um, something that science has refused to tell you. Can you imagine how drastically reduced depression will be? If the children of God begin to learn to experience his peace. You know why people go into depression? Because when we get to the end of ourselves, we are finished. Our, we become hopeless. You know, I told somebody a long time ago, I said the reason, one of the reasons why people, um, why people get into discouragement and why people get frustrated is because their reality does not match with their expectation. Um, this is just me now, not being in church. I'm, I mean, just assume I'm in my leadership teaching class. You see, when your reality, let me, tell, let me give you an example. At 40, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. I'm well over 40 now at my age. But I had a goal that I, what I wanted to achieve by the age 40. And I got to that age, it didn't happen. I measure my reality is not the same with my expectation. That's what sets people into depression most of the time. And they become worried. They become frustrated. They become disappointed. They become, they start feeling unfulfilled. I thought by 25, I should be married or I should have somebody who wants to marry me. But now I'm 25, I don't even have a boyfriend. That sets in. 
But could you imagine the place of peace? If we can say that, if we can realize that God does not work by our time, God works by his own time. That's why the Bible says, at his appointed time. You wanted it at 25, but maybe God knew that if you get married at 25, you were going to be divorced at 28. And he thought you were not ready. Everything happens at his own time. Tap somebody that you are sitting with and say, relax. Come on, give them some peace. Be the preacher now. Be the preacher of peace to them. Say, relax. Say, relax. Jesus is working. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. Relational conflicts threatens our peace. Pressure at work threatens our peace. Pressure of school threatens our peace. Pressure of a lost job threatens our peace. Pressure of illness threatens our peace. These are things that threatens our peace. But I'll tell you something that I'm going to read to you here. In Mark 4, 37 to 39, it says, And a great wind storm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But it was in the stem, asleep on a pillow. This is Jesus, when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. He said, And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How many of you think in your mind that before Jesus started sleeping, he didn't know that there was going to be a storm? Of course, Jesus knows everything before it happens. That's why you need to just reduce the plenty words that you use in your prayers. He knew that they were going to fire you before they fired you. Just say, Jesus, I've been fired. What do we do from here? What's your plan? Because as for me, I'm hungry. Just get personal with him. He said, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. Let me tell you one lesson that I learned from that scripture. When Jesus is resting, And you are troubled when you are when you're taking charge. You're taking charge because these are fishermen with their experience. They had intellectual pride. They were taking charge. They were calculating the wind. Peter, what, what do you think? Peter would say, Okay, you score two. They you score two. Wind didn't stop. He said, Hey, wh- what do you think? Um, our father used to throw something in the sky so that the wind would stop. Nothing stopped. And somebody said, Ah. Oh. Let's wake Jesus up. And when Jesus woke up, they now began to sleep. Until you learn to wake Jesus up, you will not sleep. Until you learn to transfer responsibility to Jesus and say, Jesus, I hardly can do this without you. You're going to be struggling. And when you are struggling because he does not struggle with your will, he is not going to force himself. Hey, hey, no doctor is going to force himself to say, I think you are sick, I want to help you. No. You go to the doctor when you need help. Until you get to that point when you learn to lose control so that you can gain control over that storm. 
for you to gain control over the storm of your life, the trial, the tribulation of your life, you have to learn to first of all lose control to Jesus. So Jesus, just take charge. And how amazing our lives will be when Jesus takes charge. So awesome. Praise the Lord. I'm going to round up. If you're not taking anything away today, I want you to take something away. When we give control of our storms to Jesus, we gain access to his peace. If we give control of our storms and trials, control of your unemployment, giving control of your health, your marriage, and everything that you ever imagine and that you're dreaming of, your school, there's so much stress, giving control. As you give Jesus control over your storm, you gain access to his peace. Let's rise on our feet. The scripture that I want to read um, to us, Luke 2, verse 14. It says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Never take the scripture, just never take the scripture with a face value. Help the Holy Spirit to put your eyes on every word. He says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those. Peace on earth to everybody, no. Peace on earth to just anybody, no. He said, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. My friends, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, there is a problem. And I don't even know how in the world anybody will have a problem with having a relationship with Jesus. It's easy. Hey, hey, let me tell you, to even be my friend as a human, I choose my friend. There are criteria. I will look at your life. I don't just bring anybody to my life as a friend. I've never seen anybody like Jesus. He brings everybody. Everybody, the messed up, the sick, the annoying, those you can't even start, Jesus can stand them. So why would it be hard for anybody to give his life to Jesus? How hard is that? I'm going to pray just a very short prayer. If you're here, you've not given your life to Jesus. It's simple. I told you, there's no criteria. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be short. You don't have to be fat, slim. You don't have to be beautiful or ugly. You don't have to be intelligent or, you know, the opposite. For me, that might matter. But to be a friend of Jesus, it doesn't matter. Jesus just wants your heart. I just want you to close your eyes and just pray. Make it personal. I'm not, I don't want you to raise up your hand. You don't have to do that. Just make it a personal thing. Just say, Jesus, 
mean, this whole Christmas thing, I'm just getting it clearer every day that I can't get out of life without you. And I need you. And my heart is so gladdened because I know that there's no requirement. I don't even need to do anything big. I need you, Jesus. I'm yielding my heart to you. Just have it. Just do whatever you want with it. Just let my life be controlled from this moment by you. Not by my feelings, not by, not by what I read, see in the news, not by how the culture is directing me, but by you, by your word. I yield to your leadership, Jesus. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. And dear Father, we're so grateful. We thank you, Lord. just so helpless without Jesus. Uh, I, I don't even know what life will be without you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of Christmas. God with us. Our newly completed series. God with us, Emmanuel. God with us brings hope. God with us brings joy. God with us brings love. God with us brings peace. Jesus, you are all this packed in one. And we are grateful. Let this consciousness remain in our heart forever. In Jesus' most precious name we pray.